Now all ladies, get yourself in position. This is Mr. Jumo speaking. I am the chef. And I am here to stir the pot. So let me go. Stir the pot. I know y'all seen the Netflix docuseries Tiger King, but what y'all haven't heard is the story of Brady King, Joe Exotic's (laughs) half-brother who, after he went and got himself incarcerated, had to take his 200 pet tigers and move them into my 900-square-foot two-bedroom apartment. And boys, let me tell you, it's nothing but floor-to-ceiling, wall-to-wall tigers in here. I don't know what to do with all these things. I wake up in the morning, tigers. I go to the bathroom, there's tigers in my shower. I'm about to go to H-E-B, let me tell you, I'm about to go to H-E-B and start handing these things out, because I don't know what to do with all these things. No cub petting. Yeah, at least like trade them for toilet paper or something. You know how much toilet paper a tiger goes through? I got 200 crappy furry roommates, and I can't even watch TV anymore because I haven't seen my TV remote in a week. Wait, if you if you, if you you haven't seen your TV remote, how do you know what Netflix is? Like, have you been able to turn your TV on at all? It's, all, it's, just, been on, it's just been on Tiger King this whole time on repeat. <laughs> well, luckily, between all the fur, I can get enough leverage in my arms to point my phone at my face. Stupid. <laughs> It's like uh, you watched all eight episodes of Tiger King, and then the trailer for Six Underground has been playing like nonstop for two weeks. But listen, boys, seriously, I leave for work. I come back, and there's more tigers than I started with. I don't know if it's an asexual thing or what. Where's my dog? Your dog has been integrated into the tigers, and so it's like... It has stripes now. <laughs> My dog's vying for power within this tiger hierarchy structure that yeah. got going on here. Yeah, it's like you're gonna come home one day, and then all of the tigers will have combined into one like ultra tiger, some tiger mech, <laughs> a tiger mess. <laughs> so anyway, that was an audio sample of Tiger King Two: The Squeakquel coming live at you in summer 2021. Uh, for real though, this is an actual podcast. Uh, this is a podcast. I, I don't know. I didn't know how to break. Hey, it to is you guys. this a podcast? This is a podcast. What? Wait, I thought this was a. I thought this was a vlog. <laughs> Well, surprise. This is a podcast where we watch the first and last scenes of a movie and try to improv what happens in between. My name is actually Brady King. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's your friend, Derek Fultz. Hey, guys. I'm Colton Hart, and call me Chef Boyardee because I'm rather lonely. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, and I'm Tyler. Wait, wait. Can I do another one? Okay. Hi, my name is Derek Fultz, and call me baby because I be throwing fits. <laughs> I'm going to have to run that one by the producers. I don't know how I feel about that one. You can one. just say you. <laughs> you don't have to say the producers. Oh, man. Brady, I also like how you say, like, we watched the last first and last scene. I don't know if any one of us have watched the first and last scene except for you, like, in preparing or on movies we yeah, haven't our, already seen. Our track record of actually watching the movie is probably not, <laughs> not great. It's uh, about maybe 13 to 1. Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, did y'all know that they're actually making a Tiger King movie, like, based on the docuseries? Yeah, I have some thoughts about that. <laughs> oh, please, let the people know, Derek Foltz. Uh, I don't think we need a Tiger King movie. I think we got all of it in the docuseries, and I also, hot take alert, uh, I think that we have done a bad thing as a society in making these people <laughs> famous. I disagree entirely. I think there should be a Tiger King movie, and we should cast it right now. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Personal opinion, Danny McBride was born to play Joe Exotic. <laughs> this is going to be the titular role that will propel him into stardom. Okay. I see you're Danny McBride. Uh, I raised you, Mickey Rourke. Oh, hello, Mickey. Where you been? <laughs> uh, Mickey Rourke is Joe Exotic. Uh, I think, uh, what is the the guy that he like hires on from Vegas? What's his name? Jeff. Jeff. Yeah, Jeff is for sure John C. Riley. Oh, this I is feel beautiful. Like, I feel like David Spade belongs in this movie somewhere. Yeah, he's the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like- uh, David Spade is uh, one of Joe Exotic's husbands. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in real life, not in the movie. <laughs> so I actually got to look at the Tiger King screenplay, and it turns out we just put the producers of the new Cats musical into Joe Exotic's cage and just sort of let nature run its course. Oh, no. Derek, I don't know if you know this. But me and Brady actually went to college with one of Joe Exotic's husbands. No. Yep, yeah. 100%. Wait, wait, what? We finally have an alumni. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wait, which one? Uh, The current one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's insane. He's going to make so an funny. incredible commencement speaker. <laughs> <laughs> So before we get started with our regularly scheduled programming, there is one thing I want to do. I promise we'll get to the actual Stir the Plot podcast in a second. Um, This is a segment we did a couple episodes ago that I would like to keep as a recurring bit and have subsequently titled in review. (laughs) I am going to take uh, movies that are on the top 250 list of all time on IMDb. And I have scrounged the bottom of the bucket for the dirtiest, nastiest one-star reviews I can possibly find. And based on the reviews that I read, you have to guess what this movie is. So just to reiterate, it is a classic, well-known, critically acclaimed movie uh, that for some reason these people just could not get on board with. That's fair. (laughs) All right. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yeah, let's go. All right. Here we go. This one was sent in by Z Poli, um, who says, this movie is propaganda. All you people are lambs for the slaughter. Why does everybody like this movie? It's not particularly that good. And everything in it is so, so wrong. It's okay for the government and people in charge to lie to the masses. The masses, that's you, are too stupid to rule themselves. It's okay to use people's cell phone info. Oh, sure. Just this one time, Morgan Freeman says. Thanks. This is a fascist film. It is fascist propaganda. Oh, it's uh, Dark Knight. Oh, no. (laughs) Derek, what you got? Is this Dark Knight? It is, in fact, Dark Knight. I thought the Morgan Morgan Freeman might give it away. No. Everyone's favorite fascist propaganda. I was like, what What movie is Morgan Freeman stealing people's cell phone information? They don't show you the scene afterwards where he sells it to Facebook for trillions. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, Bruce Almighty? Like, what? It's like, what if it's like a deleted scene in Bruce Almighty? (laughs) Yeah. Well, in Bruce Almighty, he's God, so he's already got your cell phone data. Sure. He's watching. You guys got it quicker than I thought you would, but I want to read this uh, this review by Fanboy Fan 44 mm. And he said, this is an obvious ripoff of the much-loved and appreciated Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. And also no. Kyle from the Nickelodeon animated series Fanboy and Chum Chum. What? <laughs> Wait, that's is that weirdest. still for the dark? Is that still for the Dark Knight? <laughs> that's still for the Dark Knight. Who this guy says? Who this guy claims is ripped off from Joaquin Phoenix's no. Joker? Oh man! Well, duh. Yeah, because you know, time doesn't exist. I guess. Um. So on to number two. Um. So the second movie. Uh. This review was sent in by Tony Salked, and it says, "Why was the main character an old man? Best friends with a teenager? Suspicious." I find this relationship to be highly unnerving. What were his real motivations? Why is he really ringing the main character at two in the morning? Is he getting a kick out of ringing up a young man at that hour? Highly unnerving film. <laughs> um, well, I, boys, why was he? Why I'm, was he ringing him up at 2 a.m.? I don't know. Maybe he needed a cup of sugar or something. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to guess Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. <laughs> Colton, how about you? Uh... I'm going back to the future. Ding, ding, ding. Back to the future. Colton, you are two for yes! two. I'm bad at this. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, highly unnerving. The relationship between Doc and Marty, let me say, boys, is dubious at best. They yeah, that's the relationship. <clears throat> that's the relationship I have a problem with in that movie. Not the fact that he almost, like, hooks up with his mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, the uh, the co-writer for Back to the Future was, in fact, Sigmund Freud. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Colton, you are two for two, and we are going to see if... Hey, Derek, you got your chance to get on the board. This is it. I did get on the board. Well, just what... <laughs> I will award you one half of a podcaster point. Okay. <laughs> Consolation prize. Um, this is what's wrong with America. As long as you had fun. I guess. 
Okay, so this next one was sent in by Swimboy818. And boys, I got to be honest, it's a bit of a novel. We're just going to have to choke it down together, and then we will debrief afterward. And this is word for word unedited. (laughs) Two thumbs down. This is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I will give you a few of the reasons because of that. One is it's too mushy. Second, this is a very violent movie. Seriously, I mean, with all the killing and stuff. Another is the animals have vile table manners. They just gulp down food like the big bad wolf. Wait. Also, the jungles don't look colorful enough. There should be more details. Fifth, are not cool animals like market young children won't understand that. I myself was saying boo in the theater. I can't believe we got the DVD. If you like films about the wild, I suggest DreamWorks Madagascar. Grade (laughs) F. (laughs) And in case you were wondering what grade F translates to on the numerical scale, he included a second grade, which is one out of ten. Oh, good. Okay, good. (laughs) Uh... It's probably like the Jungle Book or something, the live action Jungle Book. But my okay, heart, live action Jungle Book. My heart wants to say the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> I like that this guy clearly says, "I booed through the entire movie, but then went and bought the DVD." As if he sat in the theater for this movie, and then at the end was like, "God, it would look good on my Blu-ray shelf." <laughs> Colton, you got any idea? Okay, so. I'm conflicted because I also feel like it might be Jungle Book, but I don't think Jungle Book live action one has killing in it. You and I weren't watching the same Jungle Book, trust me. And is it where the wild things are? (laughs) Incorrect. Um, I'm going to give you guys another shot, though. This one is equally as juicy. Um, Isabella Bursick says... Hyenas are now hated because of this movie. It just sucks. It is my least favorite movie of all time. If I had to choose between this movie and Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, I would choose Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I wish those lions had starved to death. I hate Disney for making people hate hyenas. They are amazing. I like them better than humans. Just can't wait to be king. Too bad you will have to wait forever. Oh, it's man. the Lion King. It's the but, Lion King, as as told by a hyena person. Yeah, <clears throat> did Big Hyena write that? <laughs> I guess I'm not as familiar with hyena person culture as sure. I should be. I mean, I suppose if but, that, if like a hyena went on there and started like just clacking away at a keyboard, I can understand the ire behind it. But like, <laughs> this is a this is a hyena who made it through grade school, at least can read and write, and <laughs> was just justifiably outraged at their portrayal of his kind. Yeah, is this just the Jane Goodall of hyenas? <laughs> <laughs> Literally only one person dies in that movie. Oh, all the bugs that freaking Pumbaa eats, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the slaughter. Um, I can, I can definitely get on board with the first review. The animals have vile table manners. They really, oh, yeah. I mean, I want to see, I want to see these hyenas Use knives and forks like the rest of us. <laughs> did the did the lions not go to cotillion class or something? Like, do they not know how to eat? If hyenas, if hyena people really want to be taken seriously, they need to learn how to conduct themselves at a table. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Preach on it. Speak on it. <laughs> no, you that's know, all I have to say about hyena culture. I literally, I literally do not want to speak on it anymore. No, no, no. Let's forget the movie and then just talk about hyena table etiquette for like. <laughs> 30 and a half minutes. <laughs> Let's not. Uh, so that was in review, a segment I'm sure you'll be seeing more of in the future. Um, but for now, onward to our regular show. This is Stir the Plot, a podcast where we watch the first and last scenes of a movie, and then we try to make up and improv what happens in between. And today's movie is not to be confused with Netflix's Tall Girl. It is its shorter, <laughs> more equestrian cousin, Horse Girl. <laughs> This movie intrigued me literally just from the title. Is this a Netflix movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, this is okay. a Netflix original. They're just they're building a whole franchise of girls, I guess. <laughs> Stay tuned for uh, Netflix's Hyena Girl coming in <laughs> summer 2021. <laughs> a whole, <laughs> a whole franchise of girls. <laughs> That's what my Tinder DMs look like. Ayo. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb. Uh, Okay, so for anybody who is new to the podcast, we are not legally allowed to play movie audio, so we have converted everything into screenplay formats. Colton is going to be narrating for us, and Derek and I are going to play a couple different characters. 
Um, so without any further ado, Colton, will you do me the honor of taking it away? In a small pastel-colored craft shop, we see two women, Joan and Sarah, laughing as they slice fabric squares and gently fold them together. Have you ever done DNA in you? <laughs> no. It's that kit where you spit in a tube and send it away and they can tell you your heritage. Don't you have to prick your own blood? No, you don't have to give any blood. You just send it away and they give you the results back so fast. I told you I was Irish, but I found out I'm 96% Irish Welsh, and then I'm 3% Finland Northwest Russia, and then 1% Senegal Gambia. Do you know where that is? Uh, No. West Africa. I'm from West Africa. No way. That's crazy. I know. You should do it. I, I would do that. I, I, I don't really know anything about my family, but people say I look Irish. You look very Irish. You think so? Well, maybe we're Irish sisters. Maybe we're Irish West African sisters. <laughs> <laughs> the two women laugh. As Joan continues to cut fabric, she glances out the window of the craft store. Her brow furrows into a puzzled look. A horse is walking across the parking lot outside. A montage begins as a light guitar melody plays. We see Sarah assisting a middle-aged man with his craft paint selection. So these are the acrylic paints we're carrying right now, and these are the tempura. We cut to see Sarah slicing ribbon as she chats with a young teenager. Well, what's his name? His name's Ryan. Sarah shows the man several bottles of paint. Acrylic dries with a nice gloss to it, but tempura is my favorite. Sarah smiles as the young girl continues her story. He asked me out on a date. We have this little joke where we write everything on post-it notes to each other. So he put one on my locker asking me if I wanted to go out with him. Sarah drones on about paint with an increasingly bored looking man. The consistency now is more like pudding, but if you add water, it would be more like a a heavy cream. Sarah and the teenager laugh together. Did you just find him and tell him yeah? I I wrote it on the note. You wrote it back and then put it on his locker? We see Sarah sigh as she leaves the craft store and unlocks the door to her Oldsmobile. Just another day. We cut to a sunny California pasture, a high white fence running the length of the trees. Sarah watches longingly as the trainer leads a young girl around on horseback. Later, Sarah and the girl walk beside each other. That was really good riding today. Oh, uh, thanks. Just, uh, just, just keep thinking about your form. Okay. And your confidence. Uh, when you're confident, Willow's confident. She's a really intuitive girl. She can feel your energy. I notice you looking down a lot. You want to keep your eyes up. That'll be really important when you get to jumps. And oh, well, I'm riding Western, so I won't be doing any jumps. Well, Willow was trained English. I, I-, I used to ride her English. I'm just going to stay Western. She really enjoys that style. A car honks in the distance. Um, I think... I think I, to have that versatility would be good. I'm sorry, I gotta go. The girl walks away quickly, leaving Sarah looking longingly out at the nearby pastures. Okay, boys. Horse what do we think? girl. Horse girl. Everybody loves a horse girl. I have girl. two things. <laughs> All right, Colton. Two things. One... Uh, Joan and Sarah are for sure white. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Just in case anybody was wondering, yeah. Yeah, I really love how they uh, they really captured the realistic essence of a white woman finding out that she's 0.14% <laughs> West African. Um, my second thing, uh, just to... I, I feel like this is something Netflix might do. I would say that the teenager that is uh, talking about the guy is Tall Girl. As a little cameo. All right. Oh, okay. Hey, listen, boys, okay. we got it. We got to nail this down. It's all. It's all stir the plot cannon. All right. Hear me out. I think that this is a biopic, and it is the story of Lisa Frank. Lisa, Fr- we all know Lisa Frank, right? Yeah, she does like boppy early two thousands kids clothing. Yes. Yeah, like oh. very like tech like Technicolor unicorns, dolphins. She uh, would be like, a horse girl. So I'm I'm saying she comes up from humble beginnings. She's working at a craft store. Uh, that's where she gets the idea for like all the different colors and stuff. She loves horses. She loves animals. Um, okay. 
I love the Lisa Frank idea. I'm going to raise you okay. that this is a biopic, mm-hmm. but it is also a high adventure globe trotting action movie. Oh. In which, like, like I see what they're doing. They're building her pre inciting incident life where she's like this boring old like craft store girl and she longs for more. But I think it's only a matter of time before she gets the knock at the door from some sort of like ancient German scientist who is going to take her on a globe trotting adventure. To find, I don't know, like the kingdom of the crystal horse or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think along those lines, Brady, that, so they're talking about a DNA test. I think she does one and then she finds out that she's part horse, like horse people. (laughs) (laughs) And she has like horse powers and then she starts to develop them. No, no, (laughs) no. <laughs> wait, what do you mean horsepowers? Yeah, what define, do you mean? Hold on, Colton. Wait, define a horsepower. If right you get now. too close, if you sneak up behind her, you just get sidekicked into oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> could, you, could you imagine how those Lisa Frank corporate meetings go? <laughs> like, Lisa Frank, I've got your coffee. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Lisa, you just knocked a man unconscious. He's got a concussion. Should we should we go in there? I don't know. She's she's just been chewing on hay for the past 40 minutes. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, wait, but no, I like this. I I think like maybe uh she takes that DNA test and finds out that she's got some horse horse lineage or that she like has belonged to the greatest family of like horse breeders. Like ever known to mankind, Horse King coming to Netflix soon. <laughs> oh God! So Lisa Frank's grandfather used to always tell her stories of the great like Kingdom of the Crystal Horse, right? Mm. But uh, her dad, her dad used to come in and be like, "Oh, shut up, old man! Don't don't fill her head with all these stories. I'm gonna put you in a nursing home or something along those lines." <laughs> she grew up reading books about like like adventure books and action books about the Kingdom of the Crystal Horse, but she never. Yeah. She never imagined it might be real. Yeah, she read the Black Stallion, and she was like, <laughs> "Wait, is it? No, I think it's I think it's Black Beauty or some. I don't know. There's there's like a famous like horse novel, Flicka. Flicka. She watched Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, and she said, "I have the same eyebrows as that horse." <laughs> <laughs> the clues are all in here, Dad. The clues are all here. So she goes on this adventure where do we think we need three at least three locations that this adventure takes her that's true she- if it's going to be a globe trotter well where do you think lisa frank in real life would would go uh your local hot topic um <laughs> i think <laughs> she uh she goes to west africa west africa <laughs> where she finds and she finds jo- she finds joan there <laughs> joan's <laughs> family <laughs> And Joan is the primary antagonist of the movie. <laughs> she uh she meets the horse from uh, the zebra from Racing Stripes in West Africa. No. <laughs> <laughs> her like spirit guide or like her her mentor or something her like centaur. that. Centaur. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like one stormy night, and this this mysterious visitor comes, and he's like, "Are you are you Lisa Frank?" And she's like, "Why?" As a matter of fact, I am. And uh, he like pulls out a gun. He's like, "You're coming with me. Your your DNA holds the secret to the kingdom of the crystal <laughs> horse." And Joan like jumps in front of the bullet and like takes him out as well, but like dies in the process. And with her final breath, she's like, "You need to go to West Africa and find <laughs> the, find the ze- racing straps, the zebra." <laughs> And he'll lead you to the kingdom of the crystal horse. <laughs> I like to imagine that scene where they're like, uh, they're in West Africa and she like holds his racing stripes up in like the right light and it makes like a map to some sort of like <laughs> jungle in, in dumb, deep Brazil or dumb. something like that. <laughs> I, I really think there's only one way to figure out how this globe trotting action adventure comedy non PETA approved movie is going to end. And that is uh, to read the last scene. Sarah sits at a mirror in a bright orange dress as she curls her hair. A black and white photo sits on the dresser. It's a photo of her, dressed almost identically. We cut to a large stable, where Sarah's old trainer leads a horse out the door. Sarah waits for them to leave, then sneaks quickly to Willow's stall, gently grabbing the horse's reins. Hey, my girl. 
I came back for you. Sarah holds up a strange knitted ornament. Oh, my sweet girl. Look what I brought for you. She places it around the horse's neck. Let's go. Sarah leads Willow by the reins down a sunny hill and into a nearby parking lot. Through the window of the craft store, Joan just barely catches a glimpse of them. We cut to Sarah and Willow, now deep in the forest. She brings the horse to a stop and gently strokes her mane. I'll always protect you. I love you. Sarah gives Willow one final goodbye, then steps into a nearby clearing. She removes her shoes and lays down in the grass. She looks up at the blue sky and closes her eyes. Suddenly, a bright blue light hits her face. Her body begins to float upward, higher and higher as a bright beam of blue light pulls her into the sky. And just like that, she's gone. Um, so, okay. I think Sarah, a.k.a. Lisa Frank, she she finds the kingdom of the crystal horse. Obviously. Um, yeah, and uh, I think at a certain point, uh, she gets her horse back from the trainer, you know, mm-hmm. the one that the the teen was riding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets the horse back and she rides it into the kingdom of the crystal horse. I have to pause and remind myself that it's not anything that I know of. <laughs> still the existing ch- still media. the same poor directing choices were made in this movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so they go into the kingdom of the crystal horse, and they have to go through several trials. Of course. There's always um, trials, of course. Yeah. Like, she she enters this dark cave and comes out the other side, and it's some sort of, like, big, grassy English derby field with, like, high fences and jumps set up, and she's got to run Yeah, run the time trial. Uh, I think that the, the first, like, two trials are all English-based, and so she's like, oh, I've got this in the bag. Mm-hmm. And the third trial, the final trial, the hardest trial... <laughs> Uh, she shows up at the Houston Livestock Show in rodeo. And she, <laughs> Completely and out she of her element. Bar- she, has to, she has to barrel race. <laughs> As rednecks throw corn on the cob at her. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lizzo is doing a concert in the background. <laughs> and then uh, she gets to uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Horse, the inner sanctum where the Crystal Horse resides. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's so bad. I hate regurgitating this awful terminology we've come up with. Um, and so uh, the crystal horse is guarded by the Budweiser Clydesdales. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a she's got a barrel race the Bud Knight through the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the American Dream. She's got to joust him. And at this point, is she is she with Willow or is she still with this this zebra horse or whatever his name is? Uh, maybe no, she, she just maybe like since there's obviously people after her as there are in every like globe trotter. Yeah. Um. I think obviously there's some sort of like I don't know fascist secret society after this after the secret of the crystal horse. Yeah, Peta. Um, yeah, Peta. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got to she's got to disguise the racing stripes or whatever his name is and so she like paints him a, a beige brown color or mm-hmm. something like that so it's still the same horse but uh, i think we can have both him and willow i don't think that's completely out of the realm of possibility with the uh realistic grounded narrative that we're building here <laughs> I, I will allow more than one horse in our narrative oh thank building. god <laughs> um and so uh they she defeats the Bud Knight and the Clydesdales, which that's my favorite indie band. <laughs> yeah, you've heard of Gladys Knight and the Pips. Now get ready for Bud Knight and the Clydesdales. <laughs> um, so I think that she uh comes across the Crystal Horse. Uh, Peta shows up, but as soon as Peta shows up, she her she and Willow both have to touch the Crystal Horse, and for some. <laughs> Perceive the knowledge of the infinite universe. Yes. Yeah. Um, I th- uh, the idea that I had was like their soul transfers. <laughs> what is that? It's like Freaky so, Friday, but yeah, way no, worse. Yeah. No, it's it's bad. It's bad. Uh, but it's like a thing of like the crystal horse uh, is like it, it was sent here from an out from outer space, and it's like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's word diarrhea at this point. (laughs) 
word dire at you. I think the obviously PETA has been tracking them for a hot minute, and of course they arrive at the same time to the chamber of the crystal horse. Mm-hmm. And it's it's revealed that Joan has been behind masterminding this thing the whole time. She's the head of PETA, which is the most unfortunate and precarious position I can imagine occupying on planet <laughs> Earth. And she grabs the crystal horse and looks it directly in the eyes, and she's like Tell me the infinite secrets of the universe, and then she melts. She dies. <laughs> no, she turns into she turns into tofu. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's at the moment where like the the crystal horse is like, "Listen, Sarah, thank you for protecting me. However, you know too much. You're one of us <gasps> wait, wait, now." Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, what if so? All of that happens. Sarah finds out that the the spirit of the crystal horse is inside of willow and willow (laughs) yeah willow is the crystal horse and she like looks at sarah and she says all right sarah like thanks for protecting me for all these years um i like i'm gonna go back to you know being the crystal the crystal horse now and (laughs) i'm gonna give you every every dream that you could have ever wished you know, uh, unlimited artistic freedom and creativity, um, which is which is apparently alien abduction. Yeah, well, it's she goes into like the ether, and right, she comes back out. She comes back out a transformed being known as Lisa Frank, <laughs> <laughs> who then goes on to sell a successful line of children's products. Yes, uh, <laughs> Lisa Lisa Frank is like her perfect sell. <laughs> like she. <laughs> She just emerged in like downtown Los Angeles in a glowing white light and said, I'm ready to create. Yes. They gave her a loan in a corporate building and said, have at it. They said neon pink dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love how we just turned this biopic literally into a Indiana Jones movie. Like- <laughs> Honestly, I think if we were to take the screenplay as is and pitch it to Steven Spielberg right now. We might be able to make a move. This might be our time to jump in on Hollywood action. I mean, PETA are close enough to Nazis. <laughs> I like that. I like that movie. That was fun. I we haven't done a Globetrotter before. Um, All right. So, Derek, I don't. I'm kind of hesitant to ask, but I I I want to know at the same time what is this movie actually about? Okay. So, without spoiling a ton. Uh, so Sarah, our main character, comes from a family of mental illness, uh, but she, you know, she's she's fine for the most part. She's just a little socially awkward, mm-hmm. as most horse girls are prone to do. Yeah, uh, she has a dream one night, uh, a quote unquote dream, uh, where she and two other people are abducted by aliens, and she wakes up and she believes that she was actually abducted by aliens because she ends up like waking up somewhere that is not her bedroom. Uh, there's like these huge like scratches on the wall. Oh shoot. She starts to think that she's like a clone being used by the gu- being used by aliens to like gather information on humans. What? She yeah, it's uh it's a it's a weird movie. Yeah. But I think I think Allison Bree does a really good job uh as Sarah and she, I think she also co-wrote this movie. I so I did not think that movie was going to go that direction. I was expecting another tall girl esque like I thought movie style. I thought it was going to be more uh, horror. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was going to be like a scary movie. It, yeah. it wasn't at all. Like in that in that essence, I was like just a a, a a smidge disappointed. Sure, but not enough for me to be like, oh, this movie. Like I was disappointed with this movie as a whole. Hmm. Cool. Well, that was the end of our main segment, but now it's time for my favorite part of the show. The end of the podcast? Oh. <laughs> uh, shake it, not stirred. Yeah, guys, uh, so in Shake It Not Stirred, basically what we do is we have two wheels of movies that you've probably seen, just classic movies. We have a wheel of movies that are in theaters currently, which I don't think there are any in theaters, kind of, technically, currently. Plans have changed a little bit, so I think most of these are straight-to-streaming releases. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We have those, uh, and then we have a wheel of movie genres. Uh, Basically, we spin them at random, 
and we pair them up together so we get movies like Toy Story as a war movie or The Breakfast Club as a post-apocalyptic movie. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to spin the wheels. Spin that wheel. Spin, spin that, that wheel. wheel. We have Braveheart. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> as a children's movie. <laughs> <laughs> Could this be some like like sword in the stone animated retelling of of Bra- of Braveheart? Yeah, of Braveheart of the Irish freeing themselves from Britain's rule. This might just be like the male version of Brave. Like, <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, this is the story of uh, her brother's conquering venture to free Ireland from the grasp of. <laughs> Great Britain. Oh, boy. But they do it in like a fun, uh, like whimsical, like. Yeah, I mean, someone's getting turned into a bear again. <laughs> Merida gets turned into a bear. That's why they have to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Great Britain turns Merida into a bear. <laughs> this is set like. <laughs> this is set like in the future. Like Merida's kind of like queen or like she's like up and coming. Like. Okay, so you think it's up to William Wallace. To like get his cast of zany characters together and go save his sister, yeah. Merida, yeah. because this is in the canonical Brave universe. Yeah, I mean it's literally Brave, and then the sequel Braveheart. Mm. Duh. <laughs> I mean, are we keeping Mel Gibson as the like titular role in oh, this? Yeah, absolutely. Mel Gibson was in that movie. In Braveheart? Oh, 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 oh! <laughs> I was talking like in Brave. I was like, what? I was like. <laughs> Colton, but I haven't even seen Braveheart, but I know he's in that movie. I really hope Mel Gibson can sing because there's quite a few musical numbers in this uh, children's version of Braveheart. Yeah, yeah, it's actually like kind of like insane how many. It's like bordering on too much. Yeah, it's like Les Mis. <laughs> We're keeping the same runtime too. It's three and a half hours of Disney action. Yeah, it comes on. It comes on two Blu-ray discs. That was good. All right. Uh, Braveheart as a kid's movie. Yeah, let's do another one. Yeah. Give me that. Give me that. The Invisible Man. Mm -hmm. Okay. As a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) This feels too easy. The Invisible Man as a documentary. Do we think the invisibility, like, is it emotional invisibility? Yes. (laughs) A birth defect. I like okay. the route of like kind of overly emotional, highly produced documentary of like just this kid <laughs> that was born. Maybe he's not like actually in. So I, th- what if he was like born thinking that he was invisible? <laughs> <laughs> and like my son was born with a condition that <laughs> he thinks he's invisible. Um, he thinks he's invisible all the time. So there's like obviously like there's a lot of scenes of him like sneaking into like people's closets or something, and they're like, yeah. I can I can literally see you. No, no, no. What are you? No. He's he's like uh there are a couple times where he's like sitting on his stoop, like in tears, smoking a cigarette <laughs> with the producers all around him, just being like, I can't do this anymore. I don't understand like why they won't re- like why they don't understand that I am invisible. Like um yeah, oh. and then the movie ends uh, on this kind of, like, somber. We don't really know if he's, like, getting the help that he needs. Mm. And, like, it ends just with the harrowing words of his mother of just, like, I hope that he understands that we do see him. <laughs> all right, Colton, uno mas. Um, all right, let's get another movie. Uh, we got The Godfather. Okay. As a... As a parody movie mm. <laughs> of itself, of I think of just uh, gangster movies in general. So it's like mm. it, it it's like uh, it's like a parody of The Godfather, of Goodfellas, of like Gangs of New York. Sure. Uh, what if it's what if it's like a? It, it could almost be in that that mockumentary vein of like they think that they're a powerful cartel, but they're like absolutely like lowest tier yes. like everyone around them yes. is like yes. the, oh the the corleones yeah they they're nothing they're nobodies like, yeah they're they're <laughs> yeah and like there's a they're like planning like a big hit on something or like a big like gang war and literally the, like all the other families are just like i don't understand like why they keep trying to pull this like yeah 
It's like, and each one of them has, like, each one of them has, like, a, a different, like, quirk to them. So it's like, the wife is like a, like a, a hardened, uh, multi-level marketing queen. <laughs> and so like, what if it's yeah, that? Her, what if it's her, the godfather, but they're selling like essential oils or something like that? <laughs> you come into my place of business with lavender oil. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I actually like yeah, I think that would be funny if it was like everyone is like, you know, pushing hits and drugs and stuff like that, but they're like pushing it works and young living essential oils like <laughs> You come to me on the night of my it works get together. <laughs> On the night of my jewelry party. <laughs> what if they like get way over in a way over their heads? Like they start like like s- stuff starts going down. Like they have to actually like they accidentally kill somebody like over this stuff and it just like sparks. Yeah, like, they always threaten hits or something like that, and then they actually go through with it and they're like, Oh god, we just pissed off the cartel or something <laughs> like that. I'd I'd pay money to see that movie. I think it'd be funny. Yeah. Oh. Alright, you want more? We have the Way back, the way back, and the way back is gonna that's be a, a. That's that sports movie, right? That's the the Ben Affleck sports movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Where Ben Affleck is playing himself, oh. a, a horrible <laughs> alcoholic. Yes. All right. We have the way back as a mystery. A mystery. I feel like Ooh. someone on the high school basketball team has been murdered. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> People are sad. <laughs> but you know who isn't sad? The coach. The coach. Oh, because shoot. it's Ben Affleck because and he's drunk act- most of the movie anyway. He doesn't know what's happening. Wait, 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 wait. Ben Affleck is a disgraced detective. <laughs> he he's who ends been up- let he's been let oh, go. I love it. He's been let go of his job. Mm-hmm. He turns to drinking, and the only way that he can uh he can get a job or the only place he can get a job is on a high school basketball team. Uh, what one of the team, one of the team members gets murdered and he has to use his detective skills to try to find out who did it. Also like in his detective days, there was one criminal. He just couldn't catch. He had a very distinct mm. MO mm-hmm. and he realizes that this high schooler who has been murdered has basically been killed by that exact same serial killer who he could never catch. It's personal now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been f- he like followed him to his next job just so he could haunt him mm-hmm. again, and he has to like figure out who like he has to try to like catch the the serial killer. Yeah, but like the police are not helping him because you know he's a disgraced cop or sure. whatever. He has to like fight his own inner demons of alcoholism. <laughs> the the school is like threatening to fire him because he's like looking too far into the too far into the case. <laughs> Nationals are coming up. <laughs> I like the thread of no authoritative figure giving him any help. So he relies on a small band of high school students that he's put together. And so a high of course, school forensics class. Uh, a high school forensics <laughs> class. He's got to coach this team, but also coach these students how to do blood work. <laughs> Sir, I have no idea whose DNA this is. <laughs> <laughs> or he th- he thinks it's like the he think- he thinks it's like forensics, like uh, like the like crime science, yeah. but it's not. It's actually just the debate team. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Cunningham, I ran the DNA test, and it just came back as yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is in fact DNA. I would say at the end of the movie, he finds out that the principal was the serial killer all along, and he just hired him <gasps> oh, to like toy with him the was. whole time. Oh. He finds out it's the principal. Like he shows, like he tells everybody it's the principal. Like principal goes to jail. The police commissioner is like, "We are so sorry. Like here's your job back." And he goes, "No, I'm gonna go win a state championship." <laughs> Flips the basketball behind his head, half-court shot, and roll credits. And they're like, we want you back on the team. And they hand him like a a little manila folder. And it's like, this killer's MO matches uh, your specialty. Are you in? And he's like, yeah, but my team's got to come with me. And he turns around and the debate club's like standing behind him. Sir, we cannot put these children into the field. <laughs> Sir, we can't. Sir, these are minors. We cannot. You can't said, bring them. Fair enough. And that roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That was uh, a good one, boys. That was fun. All right. <laughs> and now 
what you've literally been listening to the past uh, 45 minutes, just on the edge of your seat waiting for. It's Real Talk, the segment of the podcast where we actually take movies seriously and talk about movies. Um, the world's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like that emotionally, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it also kind of feels like that physically. It's starting to get hot. So, it's been a little while. A uh, couple months. Uh, I've seen a lot of movies. <laughs> it turns out, yeah, this uh, this whole coronavirus situation has been real conducive to real talk because it's given me a lot of material to work with. <laughs> uh, so the two movies that I want to talk about uh, that I've seen uh, in the past couple months that I think are worth talking about, uh, one of which is Birds of Prey or mm. the Fantabulous <laughs> Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, or as it was known in most theaters, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. <laughs> I think that uh, this is... DC has been on, like, a roll lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they had, like, a really slight misstep with Aquaman. I don't think Aquaman was a great movie. But, like, Wonder Woman was great. Uh, Aquaman... I mean, it was Aquaman was, like, better than a lot of their other movies. My my honest opinion of Aquaman was that it it might have been a decent DC movie. It still was like the lowest tier Marvel movie. Yes, it's very mm. phase 1 Marvel. Yeah. Um but then Birds of Prey came along, which is kind of the answer to them writing off Jared Leto's Joker. Right. Um and I thought they did a real like I loved this movie. I think really? this movie is so cool. No, I haven't seen this movie, so I'm going to go sit in the dugout over here, and I'll let y'all sort of... <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's fine. I'll be here. I think that, like, the team-up of the Birds of Prey happened... It almost felt like an afterthought. So it's like, I feel like they wanted a Harley Quinn movie. Or I feel like Margot Robbie wanted a Harley Quinn movie, but she also wanted to to not just be about her. And so they were like, oh, well, let's just, you know, Harley Quinn's been a part of the Birds of Prey before. Let's just introduce the Birds of Prey. But I think Black Canary is a great character. Uh, I think Harley Quinn is solidified as a great character in the DC universe. I thought it was a lot better than I, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Honestly, with DC movies nowadays, I just come in with very low expectations. (laughs) Like, but then I like, even on upon second viewing of this movie, I was like, nope, it's still great. Like, Hmm. Um, are y'all done talking I, about Harley Quinn? <laughs> no, we're almost done. Hold on. Um, my, one of my complaints with the movie, and it's not so much like Cassandra Kane in the movie oh, is yeah. like a te- like a teenager, and that's just weird because in the comics she's supposed to be Batwoman, and it's just kind of like yeah. What's I don't know what they're planning on. Yeah, I think D- DC has muddled their timeline so much to where it's like. We don't know what's going to happen, like, literally because, like, our Pat's Batman is going to be a younger Bruce Wayne. It's like, then where does everything else fit in? Like, just in closing about Birds of Prey, I think they had a really good villain with uh, Black Mask. Kind of sad they killed him off. Um, Other than that, I thought it was great. Great acting, I would say, from uh, Ewan McGregor. Oh, yeah. He was having so much fun. Uh and then the second movie I wanted to bring up just real quick was The Gentleman. Ooh. Uh, this movie. It's so good. Let me say, gave me a whole new appreciation for Charlie Hunnam because that is a man's man right there. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Uh, I felt like this movie was super slept on. Uh, like, I, it was a January release, so not a lot of people were going to go see it anyways. But, like, it was so fun and it was, like, good. And it was a like, good movie. Like it was just a fun, yeah. slick action movie. And I think Guy Ritchie needed a good movie. Oh, for like, sure. Yeah, this is an ego boost. He had one hundred percent. It's like he had King Arthur, and then he had Aladdin. Yeah, I really thought Matthew McConaughey did a great job. Uh, and I think he had fun with it. And I also really liked Colin Farrell. Um, in it as well. I did, man, the whole like the whole cast. I feel like. I feel like really for such epic. an for such an ensemble cast, everybody got an appropriate and equal amount of screen time, and there wasn't a character in that movie that I was like, "This doesn't fit. This doesn't belong." Like they were all intriguing. Mm. Coach, um, the guy who had like the band of kids that he trained, yeah, basically like the human shredder, more or less. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Matthew McConaughey's King of the Jungle character that they had going on. Yeah. Uh- 
Brady and Colton, what about y'all? What have, what have y'all seen that I probably haven't seen? Yeah, I haven't watched a ton of movies. I've kind of opted to go the TV route. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the shows I've been working on is Glow, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which is basically a 70s era tale of this up and coming women's wrestling team and the challenges they face and how they have to compete with uh, men's wrestling for ratings and airtime. And I don't know, it's a, it's a really fun, intriguing show. Allison Bree does a wonderful job. And her relationship with the other main character, um, played by Betty Gilpin, uh, I, I just think is really dynamic and fun. So so you should for sure give it a shot. Um, one of the main critiques of the show, I think, is that it, it came across mm-hmm. a little misogynistic. But Was that really – was that like a, 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 a critique of the show? Yes, and and a fair one, but I think the show does a good job at portraying the misogyny, not endorsing it. I mean, that really was the spirit of 70s Hollywood. Yeah, I feel like that would be more of like a, you would have to just understand that like that's kind of a plot device for them is the misogyny that exists in like 70s wrestling. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Instead of like like a critique. Yeah, and just Hollywood in general. But um, yeah, it's a fantastic show. It's... I. I really was on the fence about it for the first few episodes, but like the longer I was watching it, the more it grew on me. Um, and then secondly, I want to talk about the third season of Ozark. I don't know if you guys have watched Ozark, um, but if I you're, seen, f- I haven't seen any of it. If you are a fan of like Breaking Bad and just the brilliance of its screenwriting and world building, I think Ozark is probably second, should be second on that list. Um, oh, nice. I, I genuinely think it is one of the smartest shows on television right now. And it also like I think it has solidified Jason Bateman as a like powerhouse of directing, acting and storytelling just in general because he yeah. he's the show's creator and writer um and also the star of the freaking thing and he nails every single one of those roles. Yeah. Oh. Uh yeah, I I've been meaning to watch Ozark and I just haven't. Um yeah. With screaming, I feel like there's such like a an, an oversaturation almost of like just yeah. like things that I've been meaning to watch and mm-hmm. haven't. Yeah, there are there are currently more hours produced of TV than I ev- will ever have time to watch. So it's it's hard. <laughs> right. You got to choose your battles for sure. Yeah. Speaking of like just real quick, a good show uh, that I'm not seeing a ton of people talk about. Maybe because not a ton of people have Amazon Prime accounts, but Hunters on Amazon Prime. Mm. Uh, okay. That show with Al Pacino mm-hmm. uh, about Nazi hunters. Yeah. Um, it's uh, phenomenal. It's really? so great. Okay. Yeah. They're, I'll add, the, I'll add that to they the ha- list for sure. Yeah. They have like cutaway scenes that are just like, there's one scene in particular. I think it's in like the eighth episode or something. Um, it's a cutaway scene of like a game show. Uh, I I don't mean this in like a way of like endorsing what the game show is about, but it's it, it ties into the the whole theme of the show. It's the game show is called like Why Everyone Hates the Jews. Oh shoot! It is uh the most like it's v- incredibly unnerving. It's like weird and scary. And I like looked up the the clip on YouTube, and funnily enough, all of the comments that were in uh, the comment section of that YouTube video were from like neo-Nazi white supremacists. Oh wow, what a surprise! Um, Who would have ever guessed? Yeah, shocking. Absolutely no one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that just proves the power of that show. Uh, that it's you know it's pissing off Nazis and something we can all get behind for sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah, hot hot take. Uh, hot take alert. Nazis are bad. <laughs> Let me write that one down real quick. Nazis. Yeah. Are... Go, go ahead and jot that one down for future memory. Um, That's great. Colton, how about you? What have you... Uh... What have you been watching? Um, all right. So I have, I've seen a bit of stuff. Uh, the two things I actually want to talk about, <laughs> one of them is kind of a joke. <laughs> um, I, the movie's called The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot. I really, I think the trailer blew up on YouTube for a hot second simply because of the name title. 
Well, and you know, I saw the trailer and I thought it was fake. Like I thought it was like <laughs> at first I thought it was one of those <laughs> like fake like, trailers. YouTube trailer, yeah. Some fan made video. Well, because it's got freaking um The Bigfoot. It's got actual <laughs> it's, it's got the actual Bigfoot. <laughs> it's uh it's got Sam Elliott, Agent Aiden Turner. I don't know. And it's so it's literally like the movie is the the title. Like this man killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot and it's not great. The storytelling's kind of like I think weird and like with an with a title like that, you would think it'd be some sort of like adventure comedy. But I hear it's more like a like drama, like almost like a sci-fi drama more than anything. What kind of yeah? Because Sam Elliott plays an old man. Like well, I mean, like <laughs> he plays <laughs> he plays himself. Oh. Yes, yeah. In a, tw- in a in a turn of events, <laughs> Sam Elliott is playing an old man. <laughs> Let me guess. Hold on. Let me guess. He has a deep southern drawl. I'm just I'm grasping at straws here, but I would. I'm the man that killed a Bigfoot, and then I also <laughs> killed a Hitler, and I'm Bradley Cooper's brother in A Star Is Born. And then I went and lost my honor to Little Nas X in a dance off. <laughs> the crown jewel in my cowboy hat. <laughs> um, that's just kind of a funny movie that I've watched recently. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, actually, um, is a show that I've been watching called Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you watched it, Derek? No, uh, this is gonna sound real bougie of me, but I don't watch a lot of, like, network TV. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I refuse to, to dip my toes in the pool with the common folk. Yeah, it it solidifies my place in this podcast as uh, the most film Twitter out of all of us. Uh, <laughs> um, this show is very very quirky. I I would say it's cute. It's like kind of a feel goody kind of show. Um, the premise yeah, it's, it's NBC Network TV. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The premise. Do you know what the do you know what the premise of the show is? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> So the premise of the show is Zoe is this like, she's like, uh, she works for like a tech company. So I can't remember what exactly why she started. She went to go have like an MRI and there was an earthquake while she was doing it. And the guy was playing music for her while he was doing it. And somehow it gave her the power to hear people's like inner thoughts, but expressed through song. So like this is getting more and more NBC as it goes on. <laughs> it's very it's very interesting. There's like flash mobs in it and like literally people just singing and dancing and so like they sing their inner thoughts and so like there's a guy who was really struggling with something and I think he was he started singing Mad World to her and only she can hear it. Or he started seeing Madara, and she like helped him out through this like problem. I think that's how it went. <laughs> Colton, um, Colton, I gotta be honest, buddy, you've lost me. Base- basically, I think what he's just trying to say is that she can hear people's thoughts through music. Through music, and so yeah. yeah. So like whatever their thought is, it's like expressed in a song. Okay, I think we could all use a little little NBC bop in our lives right now. It's- oh yeah, it's got some weird characters in it, um, but. It's cute. I, I, it, I wouldn't say it's my usual like show to watch, but I really like it, and it's fun. Yeah, nothing has been usual about these times, buddy. We all cope in different ways. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening. You guys are absolutely the reason that we do this, and we realize that a lot of you guys are in tough situations right now, and so we're going to try to get as much new content as we can out there in the next few weeks just to bring some levity to the situation. Yeah, I think that was our main goal with this podcast, you know, this whole time is to kind of get a sense of like us as friends and like what we talk about and like how we joke. And I want I want this to be an escape for a lot of people because I know that it has been for me in the past. Like like you said, I mean, my heart goes out to everyone that's being affected by this. Uh, even if you don't like have the virus, like if you're having a hard time with uh, with staying indoors and like quarantining and stuff like that and like you're struggling with mental health stuff. Like my, my heart goes out to you and like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I get that's real deep. And you know, this is the, you know, pee pee poo poo podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's a very serious thing. And like this whole situation is serious and unprecedented and stuff like that. But like, we're going to get through it. And you know, yeah. 
like like you said, we're, we have a lot of amazing content coming down coming down the pipeline for y'all. Yeah, I think we're excited to share all of that with you guys. So um, keep in contact. You can email us at stirtheplot at gmail.com or stay updated on our Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you have any movie suggestions or things you'd like to see on the show, feel free to reach out to us. Um, we love hearing from you guys. And if you have a moment, uh, swing by iTunes, leave us a five-star review. It doesn't take long at all, and it really does help the show out. It helps us um, get discovered uh, a lot easier. So that's a really helpful thing that you you can do to help the show out. Well, anyway, um, if there's nothing else, we love you guys. Uh, y'all are the reason we are doing this show. And this has been Stir the Plot, a podcast for movie lovers. My name is Brady King. I'm Derek Foltz. I'm Colton Hart. And my name's Tyler. And if you see Sandra Bullock, can you tell her to help me get these freaking tigers out of my closet? I got half the world's population of Bengal tigers in my living room. What am I supposed to do with all these things? Sandra Bullock, come get you one. They're free. And give her a virtual hug. Tell her to stay indoors. A social distance. A social distance. Social distance. Yeah, a social distance. Why not own on? Why not own on? Why not own on? And then you just study what? Study what? Study what? Study what? She put the